Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Jonathan Taylor for Connor. They giving him permission to seek a trade. That pick at the end of the third round, that could end up being the, the best value pick in the whole draft, depending on if and where he goes. I just got an alert. Jonathan Taylor has officially requested a trade from Connor's team to mine. So Ooh. just so you know. So, so we're working on it, JT. Yes. Don't you worry about it. I get it. You want to play for a winner. It makes total sense to me. Yeah, yeah. We will work that out. I'm not going to play mark, part, pay market value, but like I might give you a, right. a Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, 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 that's not you don't have right. to. Right. Let's, Let's see on your 100%. roster. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry and Jay Croucher. Welcome to our first love-hate day of the season. Let's Happy go. to be here. That's right. Let's go. By the way, by the way, Connor Rogers pulling a Jim Ursay, asking for two first-round picks for Jonathan Taylor, who's desperate to get off of his Talks terrible fantasy team. Uh, yesterday, so we we might not want him, but that doesn't mean anyone else can have him. That's fair. That's, that's how we right. operate in that's, my that's, fantasy. That's team. right. That's that's what I was like, you know, with my ex girlfriends in high school. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow, Stop. revelation. Stop. I like it. Listen, we could jump right None into of it. it. Makes sense. Um, uh, you know, jokes on you guys. I didn't have ex girlfriends in high school. Uh, look, uh, real quickly, people like, hey, who drinks free today? Rotor World editors, because I got 10,000 words yeah. around oh. 4 a.m. this morning. So I've been, I've been pulling all-nighters for the last couple of days. Uh, so my poor Rotor World editors have been uh, hacking through uh, you know, the gibberish that I sent them trying to make sense of it. So they drink free today. How's the process, Matthew? I can just imagine like 50 cans of empty diet soda next to your desk as you plow through. And some energy drinks. Yeah. And some energy drinks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a pretty process. It's a... <laughs> It's an awful process, and I hate writing. And I do. I genuinely do. And I, but I, I have tried for years to get out of it, and I cannot. It's just not happening. It's just not happening. Uh, just I, I, wish you, I wish everyone would stop reading my column, because the I'll problem stop. is, is that it, it does well. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, he never I will started. stop for you. Anyway, so... Try it's AI a, writing? A, a, uh, Matthew Berry I, AI. I may do that. I may, may, yeah. I may <laughs> chat GPT. It's okay. Hey, give me, uh, give me some sleepers and buzz. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's an awful, awful process. And um, uh, the late, great Douglas Adams used to say, author of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, the late, great Do- uh, Douglas Adams used to say, writing is easy. It's just staring at a blank piece of paper until your forehead bleeds. And I always, I've always thought about that quote. It is absolutely true. William Goldman... Late great William Goldman would always talk about the fact that, like you know, when he would write, he'd have to go down to his dungeon, mm. and I, I feel the same way. That like when I'm when I'm writing, it's like a dungeon, and I cannot leave until it's done. Diet soda dungeon. Diet soda dungeon. It really is. It's uh, yeah. It's anyway. Well, I hope so everyone enjoys the article. Anyway, it'll be it's being edited now. It whatever. It's insane. It's an insane article. I think it'll be it's, free. I th- it'll 100 percent free on rotorworld.com, NBCSports.com. So uh, so check it out. Uh, I think it's really good. We- I, it, it was uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but I think it's really good. I think you'll enjoy it. We will get to all love-hate today, but first, let's get into the Roto World player news. As always, you can find all your player news on NBCSports.com. And we have to start, once again, with Jonathan Taylor. Stephen Holder, who covers the team for ESPN, believes the Dolphins are a team to watch in Jonathan Taylor's current contract dispute with the Colts. There's also been some rumblings out there. Jay, the Rams, the Bears. It feels like with this type of town, it's not surprising to hear all these teams inquiring 
But that doesn't mean that we're close necessarily to a trade. Yeah, I do think that the Dolphins kind of poetically have always made the most sense just because Kyle Shanahan, uh, mentor of Mike McDaniel, traded all those picks for Christian McCaffrey. Now Mike McDaniel can follow in his footsteps and trade for an elite superstar running back. The Eagles buzz has never really made that much sense to me. Just I think that they're such an analytical organization and the gap between Taylor and Swift and Penny, I'm not sure that's worth a first-round pick. Um, but I mean, honestly, hopefully he gets moved before the season because I think it's going to be ugly if he stays. The, the Bears and Rams don't make sense on paper just because those are teams that are rebuilding a little bit. Maybe right. the Bears, I mean, they may feel like they have, but it feels like they have 8 billion running backs already between right. Herbert and Foreman and uh, Roshan Johnson, obviously, and my guy, Travis Homer. Yeah, uh, right. Namesake. You know, and like, they want a first-round pick. So, you know, what, what, what will the Rams trade them? Like a 2037 first-rounder or something like that, it's, right? You'd I have mean, to go like, pretty far down the, the road. Right. It's, it's a while. It's, um, that's, that was something that came back to me on Twitter. That's not my joke. That's somebody <laughs> else's. But uh, the fact is, is that Miami makes the most sense. And, by the way, if he goes to Miami, again, it's all speculation until something happens. But I think, to me, the biggest takeaway here is, is that whereas literally a day ago we were joking about yeah, Jonathan Taylor's been given permission to seek a trade, and I've been given permission to hit on Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, neither of these things are going to come true, right? Maybe I should hit up Michelle Pfeiffer. Maybe I should call her, because it sounds like there's a chance that uh, Jonathan Taylor might move on to a better situation. She could win the sweepstakes, too. There's not a non-zero chance. You know, there you go. Right from that Michelle Pfeiffer. Amazing, that would be to a, be our front row studio. Be take a picture with the crew. Oh, yeah. That would be something. I, I'll show you the, <laughs> that would really be something. <laughs> I'll show you the sights here in beautiful Stanford, Connecticut. Boy, oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. All right. I, I think if that actually happened, I think my wife would literally be like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah. Like, That's fair. That's play on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. In other player news, Ian Rappaport reports Jackson Smith and Jigba dealing with, of course, the wrist injury is a long shot for week one against the Rams. Barry, I'll ask you like this. Obviously, this is going to boost targets for Tyler Lockett, we think, and maybe DK Metcalf, although he's going to get his anyway. But is there a scenario now where you look at JSN and maybe you buy the dip a little bit if his ADP starts to drop? Because he's not going to miss a ton of time of this season. But we know week one injuries scare away fantasy drafters. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, he's going to miss a little bit of time in, in, in preseason. There was already some concern on him coming into the season because, oh, well, you've got Lockett and you've got Metcalf. And, you know, Pete Carroll always loves to run the ball. And then he starts wowing in camp. And so his ADP starts to rise. And so, yes, this injury seems somewhat minor. Uh, may now bring his ADP back to normal and back to earth. And again, we saw this last year. We saw this with Christian Watson. We saw this with Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, we saw it with a lot. We've seen rookie wide receivers come onto the scene, especially over the second half of a season. And JSN is one of those guys who's just phenomenally talented and we has a good quarterback and still a fairly narrow target tree. I know you've got Metcalf and Lockett, but like who else is on that team that's taking targets away? Like, I'm not worried about not Fant or Disley. I'm not worried about D. Eskridge. Suspended like, six games. Made, thank yeah. you, exactly. I, you know, so um, I, I do think, yeah, JSN actually uh, represents a really great buying opportunity in drafts as his ADP starts to drop. Yeah, I think the thing that people often forget with Seattle, too, is they actually passed the ball in the above-average rate last year. You think of Pete Carroll, you think of a running offense, you think run, run, pass. Last year with Geno, they did actually throw a lot. And even guys like Marquise Goodwin were getting some production at the end of the season. So I think the JSN should be able to come back and, and produce immediately upon return. And also, like, it's, a, it's a wrist injury. like It's not a knee or something that or should an ankle yeah, or that something like that. linger right. throughout the whole season, like Gabe Davis with his ankle sprain that lasted the whole year, yeah. basically. So I think that he should be yeah. right. He, he he doesn't even need a wrist to catch. Like, just right here. Catch it right, you know, sort of right uh, here. You know, the into technique. the numbers. Yeah, the Barry technique. Exactly. <laughs> just right into the numbers. Boom. Uh, catch it up. So, anyway, uh, I wouldn't count on him early in the season, but I do, I do like him as, a, as somebody to, to target later in drafts for the second half of the year. Our last bit of player news, a receiver that will no longer be catching passes in the NFL. Corey Davis retires after six seasons. I think a bit of a surprise across the NFL landscape. He's the all-time D1 leader in receiving yards coming out of college. Obviously a top-five pick of the Titans. Signed to a pretty big-money contract with the Jets. Uh, a player that a lot of people thought the Jets were going to move on from in the offseason, and then they decided not to, was due $10.5 million, yeah. and he ends up walking away. So I, I think... 
I'll say like this. Corey Davis has missed a lot of time this summer. He's been mulling over this decision. I think a lot of people are reacting, and they're rightfully surprised. In terms of targets in the Jets' offense, I don't know how much this really moves the needle. Maybe it opens up some more for Alan Lazard, a little bit more for McCall Hardman. Garrett Wilson's still going to get a ton of targets. They're going to run the ball with the two running backs. They're going to throw to the tight ends. I don't think the fantasy impact here, Barry, is substantial. No, I don't think it is either, honestly. I, when this came up in the meeting, which I actually attended today, by the way, let's hear it from me on there. I was just like, really? We're talking Corey Davis? All right. Yeah, I, you know, it's more of a like, you know, hey, good for you. Yep. Wish you well. You know, definitely had some great moments in the NFL uh, when he was out there, uh, you know, um, especially in Tennessee against the Patriots, I remember. Right. And uh, but yeah, you know, not a huge fantasy impact. So, you know, well wishes to Corey Davis on a, a successful career and uh you know, awesome rest of his life. Yeah. I think, look, Alan Lazard, I think this matters a ton for him, but he's going as wide receiver 51. I don't know. I think you wouldn't be shocked if Alan Lazard ends up as, like, wide receiver 33 or something at the end of all this. It's going to come down to the scoring, right? Yeah. I mean, it, does he look for Lazard when they get in close? So, certainly, I, there's a lot of guys that you could say, like, that's a worthwhile late-round flyer at wide receiver, and Lazard is on a long list of guys like yep. that. Yep. Before we get into love-hate, make sure to get the Roto-World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code Barry20 for 20% off at checkout. I'm told you have some animation. What? Love-hate. Oh. Love-hate wow, is pretty. next. Wow. What was that? That was animation. That was brand new animation. <laughs> okay, I surprise. Like yeah, yeah. In favor. All right, we are starting with running backs for Love Hate. Obviously, a group that I'm sure you have poured hours over, Barry. So, there's rumors that the intro for Love Hate actually takes you just as long as the fantasy a- thousand percent. A- analysis. A thousand percent. But today we will stick to the analysis. Because honestly, the truth of the matter is, is I've done the analysis all the offseason. Right. It's just a matter of like, I've done the. But when I. Not to get too far into process, but like when I sit down to write Love Hate. I already have done the research, you know, and I've, I've had help with the research as well. We have a crack team here at NBC Sports. And so it's a matter of then now it's just, okay, how can I write this and make it interesting and fun, you know, and, and make my point. But, like, that part is more putting stuff together, if that makes any sense, than it is, quote-unquote, original. Because at that, I already know before I sit down to write, I already know, like, this guy's going to make the love list. This guy's going to be on the hate list. And so it's like taking the research and, and writing it. Whereas my opening story is always less like from scratch. You know what I mean? And it's just, you know, I, I care a lot about it. And when fans come up to me on the street or, you know, reach out to me, however, uh, many more times than not, it is, I love the story about fill in the blank, right? It's never, it's never thank you for Darren Waller's rookie year, you know? It's never like, you know, thank you for Jalen Hurts last year or whatever. It's always, I love the story about your daughter breaking her arms or the bullying column or when you had the heart attack or like, no, it's like there's all these, you know, like or when you, you and your wife bought your first house or your father-in-law or like there's, it's, you know, it, people have different, it's, they always have a favorite column and it's always a different one. It's, it's rare that it, it's, you know, there's not like three that always come up. It's always something different that people uh, resonate uh, with so or that resonates with them so yes I do I take a lot of time with it and I I think um, and I really like the opening story of this I really think okay. this is a good one I think it's a good one good this, teaser. This, uh, yeah. now you have cool. to go read it even if you listen yeah. to all the analysis it's a really good story today. Yeah, it's about my broken arm so. it is not <laughs> Jay is not mentioned oh you know what actually there is a Jay Croucher oh. uh, reference oh, in the opening story I'll look forward to it though. Yeah. see if it's insulting or commentary <laughs> yeah. oh insulting is a minus three in the favor yeah. I like it yeah. So we kick- if it's not there, I can just blame the editors <laughs> yeah. we, who are drinking for free. We kick off the running back love list with the player that I tried so hard to pitch as a ride or die, and his ADP has gone up so high, Matthew Berry, that it's too obvious at this point in B. John Robinson. Yeah, he's my running back three, and obviously the idea of love-hate isn't, you know, uh, is all about, it's not about the player, it's about the ADP, what it costs to acquire that player. And I think the idea here is, is that players that, I, that are on the love list, we should just start off with this, players that are on the love list are players that I think either exceed their ADP or um, that have a chance to take a real step up that, uh, that end up outperforming their ADP or um, provide, you know, a real value. And so, and, and players that are on the hate list, conversely, are either players that I think are going too high or won't return the value of where they're being drafted. So it's either people that are, you know, that have the right ADP and will return value plus or 
you know, return value minus. All right. And so B. John Robinson, I'm at running back three. He's going towards the end of the first round. But number one running back in fantasy is well within the range of outcomes for B. John Robinson this year. We know, we know how run-heavy Atlanta is, right? Last year, they led the, team, uh, the NFL in running back rushing yards. They had the second most running back carries. And that was with guys like Algier and, um, you know, Cordero, Cordero Patterson. And so now Bijan Robinson is a lot of draft capital. Very quietly, the Falcons have a much better than average offensive line. I think uh, under, their offensive line is underrated. Desmond Ritter should be better than Marcus Mariota last year to move the pocket. And if he doesn't, they have a competent backup in uh, Taylor Heineke. Remember, since 2012, there have been six different running backs that have been taken inside the top ten. Here, here they are. Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Chris McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, and uh, Trent Richardson. Those six running backs combined to average 295 touches in their rookie year. Four of the six got 300 or more touches. Monster season coming here for Bijan Robinson, who, by the way, after I interviewed him at the NFLPA rookie premiere, I was just like, you're awesome, dude. Like, just like, you get a sense when you talk to players, you get a sense of like, eh, this guy's kind of a knucklehead, or this guy really understands that this is a business and you need to take it seriously. And I came away insanely impressed with Bijan Robinson, obviously not just as a football player, but as a person. Yeah, I think the concern about Bijan would be Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson eating in to his carries just because Arthur Smith was sent down from the heavens to, to ruin lives of fantasy managers uh, as he has done, as he did with Kyle Pitts last year. At the same time, though, I think that the draft capital spent on Bijan is you don't spend a top 10 pick on Bijan Robinson to put him in a 45% timeshare with Algier and Cordero Patterson. And so, so long as he's at I mean, 60... it's not like he's a tight end. Yeah. Like Kyle yeah. Pitts. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. No, yeah. no, no. And I mean, even if he is at, you know, 50, 55% of carries, he should get enough work as a receiver still. But I think key. that he should that's they're going to yeah. use him super creatively. Go ahead. Yeah, I, absolutely. Is that the hope is even if they try to run between the tackles with some of those other guys, is that Bijan can motion out into the slot. He could do a lot of different things for you. So that's the hope. Putting your hope in Arthur Smith. Yeah, we'll see yeah. how it goes. But to counter, we've seen him use Derrick Henry like a, as a workhorse like no other in this league. A, a thousand percent. I think uh, he got over uh, over the two years that Smith was offense coordinator in Tennessee, like he had over seven hundred carries. Derrick Henry did. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, he's almost too obvious to put on the love list. You know, I mean, you know, B- again, Bijan's going in the first round. But I thought I could get away with it in the sense that this is, that is within the – I have him higher in the overall consensus than I think uh, people do. And literally number one running back in fantasy as well within the range of outcomes for him. All right, that brings us to our next guy, Nick Chubb. He comes in as RB5 for you, Barry. Four straight seasons averaging at least 100 scrimmage yards per game. As we see Deshaun Watson still trying to shake off the rust, you know they have a guy in the backfield that they can always lean on, and no more Kareem Hunt in Cleveland. Yeah, by the way, that's 158 touches that are now up for grabs with Hunt no longer there. Jerome Ford, we like him as kind of a sleeper, late-round guy, but he has eight career touches. Nick Chubb, pound for pound, is like the best pure running back in the NFL. Forget fantasy for a second, but just from a pure skill standpoint, is the best running back in the NFL. Every, every season of his career, he's had at least eight touchdowns, so there's a floor there. And by the way, seven, uh, almost a 7.5% target share last year, which wasn't amazing, but it's like it's not a nothing. And if we can get that to 10% this year, I think especially with Hunt out the door, maybe they use him more. We think this is going to be a more up-tempo offense. It's going to be more pass-happy, more fantasy-friendly with Deshaun Watson. We're hoping that the old Deshaun Watson comes back as it relates to this Browns offense, but... You know, Nick Chubb is somebody that's going to touch the ball a lot, and I think he's going to see less eight-man fronts because of what we think will be a improved passing game for the Browns. Yeah, Nick Chubb right now is going as a second-round pick. I'd rather have Nick Chubb than Saquon Barkley just straight up. I think the people underrate Chubb because it's so ingrained the timeshare that he had with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's not there anymore. And there was a concern that Deshaun Watson was going to be airing it out and this is going to be a passing offense. Well, it seems like Deshaun Watson might not be that good yet based on preseason reports. And if he is good, it's going to mean more touchdown opportunities for Chubb. If he's not That's good, it's going, to mean, it's going to mean more uh, volume for Chubb in terms of carries. So either way, I think that Chubb, so long as he stays healthy should be a top three running back. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing, is that I think that if Watson's any good at all, they'll be in scoring opportunity more, and maybe Chubb has less touches, but they're much more efficient. And again, he's seeing less loaded boxes, because previously it was just sort of like, we're just going to stack the box, and we'll dare the Browns to beat us through the air. We're not scared of 
whether it's Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield or any of the guys they've had back there. And so hopefully Watson gives them the vertical threat that they haven't had at the quarterback position, which means that they have to respect Amari Cooper and David Njoku, Cedric Tillman, and of course... The ubiquitous Donovan Peoples-Jones. <laughs> Very ubiquitous. Jay, you brought up the timeshare coming to an end in Cleveland for Chubb and Kareem Hunt. The same could be said about Barry's RB6, the next on the love list, and Tony Pollard. Ezekiel Elliott, officially a New England Patriot. The backfield in Dallas, officially Tony Pollard's. Yeah, again, I don't understand why Saquon is going as pick 8 and Tony Pollard's going at pick 17. I might even prefer to just have Tony Pollard straight up. I think it's gone under the radar that week 7 to 16 last year, Tony Pollard was the number one running back in fantasy. Uh, what he offers as a receiver, I think the concerns about him being able to take on a featured back workload are just unfounded. He's not Wait, small. Yeah, I don't understand this narrative. He's not Darren Sproles. <laughs> so I think the Pollard in an offense which is going to be, I just think, completely monstrous. And he's going to be in scoring position. If he's not, he's going to get into scoring position. So I think that he, he has a chance to be the number one player in fantasy. There's that's within the range of outcomes as well. Like, he was somebody that was also on my short list of potential fantasy ride or dies. He's right there on the cover of the Roto World Fantasy Football oh, Draft Guide. Promo code Barry gets you, Barry 20 gets you 20% off. Promo code J10 gets you 10% off. Or Connor 5. Or Lawrence 1. Uh, and the other thing about Tony Pollard that I'll, I'll tell you here, I think this is a crazy stat. I put this in my 100 facts. Last year he had nine rushing touchdowns. Okay, yeah, that's great. Nine rushing touchdowns. That's pretty good. He got 12 carries inside the 10-yard line. That's it. Like, he converted nine of them, right? So nine rushing touchdowns despite only 12 carries inside uh, an opponent's 10-yard line that's tied for 30th among running backs. And some of them were even in, you know, some of them were longer runs as well uh, to get into the end zone. Think about how many goal line carries Ezekiel Elliott leaves on the table. That's the thing is that, I mean, Zeke last year, had kind of lost the starting job to Tony Pollard, but when they got in close, they still gave it to Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott still had a very good rushing touchdown year last year, and now he's gone. And so, yes, number one running back in fantasy is well within the grasp of Tony Pollard. He has 13 career games where he's had 15 or more touches. We certainly expect him to get at least 15 touches a game for the Cowboys while he's healthy. And in those 13 career games with 15 or more touches, he averages 19.6 fantasy points per game. That would have been running back three last year. Again, I'm at running back six overall. I am higher some of those guys. I'm around ahead in my uh, in my overall ADP than where he's going. Monster season coming from Tony Pollard. Yeah. Last thing on Pollard, I uh, think back to the Minnesota game where Dallas just completely annihilated them. Pollard, uh, 109 yards, two touchdowns as a receiver on six receptions and also had 15 for 80 on the ground. Like when he is on, it just looks like he's playing a different sport because of yeah. how explosive he can be as a receiver as well. How about the new-look Lions backfield here? We kicked this off with B. John Robinson, a rookie. How about Jameer Gibbs, another rookie taken in the top 15 in the draft, paired with David Montgomery? It feels like there's plenty there, Barry, for the usage for both of them to be extremely effective in fantasy. They're dealing with a, a thin wide receiver situation with the Jamison Williams suspension, and Gibbs' usage in the pass game is expected to be special. Fantastic. That's true, Connor. That's an excellent point. So DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams... 421 running back touches between them that are now up for grabs, and those are going to go to both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. To your point, Jameson Williams out for the first six games. TJ Hawkinson, now a member of the Minnesota Vikings, after Amon Ross St. Brown, my fantasy football ride or die. There's not a lot out on that Lions offense that demands touches except these two running backs. Very quietly, the Lions have one of the best offensive lines in football. They want to pound the rock with David Montgomery. They want to throw to Jameer Gibbs. Remember, DeAndre Swift, despite missing all the time he has over the last three seasons, he still finishes a top 15 fantasy running back on a points-per-game basis for uh, the Detroit Lions. 11 of the last 12 running backs we drafted in the first round. We all saw the video of Gibbs going 12 and the Lions being so excited that they got him. They were worried they weren't going to get him at 12. 11 of the last 12 running backs to be drafted in the first round saw at least 200 touches in their rookie season. Both of these guys are going to touch the ball a ton. I think both are values where they're going, especially Montgomery. Again, I'm not saying he gets 18 touchdowns again, but they do want to pound him into the line. They do want to run the rock with him. He is going to inherit that role on a team that we think is going to be a pretty good offense in scoring position often. The last offense, the last thing I'll say is um, – as you know, the opening game of the NFL season is Lions at Chiefs. It's right here on NBC and Peacock. I'm a company man. Well, our colleague and our friend Jason Garrett actually went to Lions camp to interview Dan Campbell. And you'll see that interview as part of Football Night in America on uh, September 7th. But he just told me 
he said, you know, I was at, at Lions Camp and just looking around, and, you know, I spent a couple of days there, so I was interviewing people and interviewing Dan for FNI, FNIA, and he said, they love David Montgomery. It's clear how they feel about Jamar, Jameer Gibbs in terms of how they drafted him, how they reacted, but he's just like, they really think Montgomery is somebody that can just, you know, pound the ball between the, you know, between the tackles and just... Like, he's going to get 200 touches this year. Easy. Yep. And the underrated thing with Detroit, which you've talked about in talking about your Amon Ra, right or die pick, is that the last 10 games of the season, they're only exposed to weather once when they play at Chicago, who don't have a great defense anyway. Outside of that, it's domes, it's retractable roofs, and Jared Goff don't like the cold. So no. Matthew Berry doesn't like the cold. No. And he is much more effective when he's playing, not exposed to weather. So I think that they're going to be in scoring position plenty. Yeah, at least 230 touches and over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in all four seasons in Chicago. No one likes David Montgomery. He's not exciting. He's not sexy. But all he's going to do is produce. I'm at running back 24, and honestly, I might be too low on him. A couple other running backs. And I'm higher on him than consensus. That received votes here. James Conner, James Cook, who's looked really good this summer. Isaiah Pacheco, lead back of the Chiefs, is always nice to have. Samaji P. Ryan as Javante Williams works his way back from uh, serious injury in Denver. And then, of course, we've talked about Jalen Warren a lot this week, Barry, eating into the Steelers' backfield. I think there's a chance that I, – I feel there's a very good chance that at cost – Jalen Warren is a much better fantasy play this year than Najee Harris. We've talked about Samaj P. Ryan again. Sean Payton gave 150 touches to multiple running backs in five of his final six seasons with the Saints. He's going to be a part of that Broncos offense. We talked about Pacheco as, as well. Final eight games of the season last year, top five in the NFL in rushing yards. And his passing game usage, especially in the playoffs and the Super Bowl, sort of goes, oh, Oh, maybe. He's no longer a seventh-round rookie trying to find the field. Now he's a Super Bowl champion and the starting running back of one of the best offenses in the NFL, which is what you can say about James Cook. Everything you've seen in the preseason is like, this is going to be the James Cook show in Buffalo. uh, I was in a draft last night, and I managed to get both Josh Allen and James Cook. And it's just like, okay, good. I pretty much am guaranteed a piece of every Bills touchdown this year. I like my odds in that league. And then finally, James Conner is kind of the poster boy for cheap volume. Damian Pierce, Cam Akers, or other guys on that list of guys that can flirt with 20 touches a game. And despite the fact that they are on bad teams, they're still they're not coming off the field, um, and they're going to touch the ball a lot. Volume is king in fantasy football, so I think James Conner is way underrated. James Cook is the interesting one to me. I think people are just sleeping on the Bills in general because of how their season ended and the playoff loss to the Bengals. But, I mean, James Cook has the chance to be the featured lead back for potentially the best offense in football. That's very much in the range of outcomes for Buffalo. And he's going right now as RB30. And I think whereas someone like Pacheco probably has more of a ceiling... Um, that is defined just because McKinnon is there and because they pass so much. I think James Cook, like James Cook could be a top 12 running back this year. All right, we kick off the hate list here, Jay, with J.K. Dobbins, who, as we've discussed this summer, kind of a weird training camp situation for Baltimore. Took him a while to come back. He's got to dealt with a lot of injury throughout his career in Baltimore after being a second-round pick at running back, which is pretty substantial. Zero career games with more than 17 touches. He's Barry's RB28. What are your expectations for Dobbins this year? Just Bad vibes around J.K. Dobbins uh, leading into this season. And I think the concern is just what's the ceiling for his workload? Because he didn't get 20 carries in a game last year. And a lot of that was without Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is obviously going to be a huge part of the running game there. And allegedly they're going to throw it a lot more. They just have more wide receivers, more mouths to feed. expect Mark Andrews will be better this year and healthier. So I'm just not really sure what Dobbins' ceiling is. Yeah, I mean, like, so again, we talk about this. Like, in essence, to be a, to be a fantasy force, you need three things. You need volume, you need passing game usage, you need touchdowns. And two of the three are out the window. Like, he's not, get, he's not getting volume, right? He's ha- never had a game in his career with more than 17 touches. Never, right? They've, they've got Melvin Gordon there, who's still solid. They've got Gus Edwards there. Oh, by the way, they've got Lamar Jackson on a team that was bottom five in the NFL the last two years in, uh, in running back carries. And now they've got Todd Munkin, who we know likes to throw the ball. So he's not getting volume. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe he'll get some passing game work. He has one game in his entire career with more than 25 receiving yards. Like, he's, a, he's a, almost a nothing in the passing game so far throughout his career, right? He has, a, for his career, a 5.6% target share. So you're like, well, maybe he could score. And definitely, we think this is going to be a high-octane offense, and certainly that's, a, there's, that's certainly an argument you can make for J.K. Dobbins. If he's on the field. This is somebody who has missed significant time throughout his NFL career. And that's before you even get to the weird vibes of, like, he was holding out. Is he in camp? Is he not? Like, 
I, you know, I'm looking at this on Yahoo, and here's some of the guys that he's going ahead of on Yahoo that I would, I prefer any of these guys over J.K. Dobbins. He's going ahead of Damian Pierce. He's going ahead of Cam Akers. He's going ahead of James Conner. He's going ahead of Alexander Madison. He's going ahead of Isaiah Pacheco. That's wild. I mean, like, yeah, man. Ahead of Pierce is alarming to me. Pierce is, Pierce is, you know, we're not talking about him on the show. He is in the love hate column. I, Pierce. Pierce's ADP is mind-boggling to yep. me. Agreed. Anyway, and last one here anyway, on the running so, back hate list. Um, so yeah, Damian Pierce on the on the uh, on the love list. James Cook is going, you know, many rounds after uh, after J.K. Dobbins, and you know, I think there's a better than average chance, straight up, that Cook has a better year. Our last running back on the hate list for today, Alvin Kamara. We know that he's dealing with the suspension going into the year, but Barry, the biggest piece besides that is that he's also dealing with a very crowded backfield. A third-round pick in Kendra Miller, who appears as healthy now after being a little banged up middle of summer. And, of course, the ultimate touchdown vulture in Jamal Williams. And, and, and by the way, an emerging Chris Olave. And if you were to listen to uh, one of my top ten Australians... Uh, in my life. Did I make the Australian love list? Yeah, you make the Australian love oh, list. Right, man, by the way, right. yeah. by the way, you should ask me to name 10 Australians because <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I can. Um, uh, Kylie but, Minogue. Yeah, well, Kylie Minogue, right, you know, Nicole Kidman, right, Blue you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blue, well, let's see, Bluey. Uh, you know, Colin, Colin, Colin Hay of Men at Work, uh, Paul Hogan. Um, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heath Ledger. Uh, oh, yeah, Heath Ledger. The, the Hemsworths. Yeah. The Hemsworths. All three. They only the- count as one. No, no, no. I get, I get all three. I get three, all three Hemsworth brothers, um, even Hugh though Jackman. only two of them are famous. Famous. And, uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. And Yahoo Serious. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I slot in in between Luke and Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. I mean, I'm below Liam, but, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're others receiving well, votes. With Luke. Here's what I'll say about Alvin Kamara, though. Um, not Australian. Uh, yeah, not Australian. Uh, you know. Um, yes. No, it, might might <laughs> be playing team. Australian football. Yeah, soon, he, he might. Uh, he hasn't been... He hasn't been, right. So, in addition to the fact that they've got other guys there, right? No, what I was going to say, based on, by the way, if you listen to Jay Croucher, um, <laughs> Michael Thomas is going to have a thing this year, right? You know, <laughs> you've got Juwan Johnson I've heard as well, a, right? A show or two where he just said that. Week nine on last year, he was the 36th best running back in fantasy football on a points per game basis. The receiving work seems to have dried up a little bit. Under 35 receiving yards, under 33 receiving yards, to be clear, last, per game last season. Derek Carr, like, jury's still out on whether Derek Carr is going to pepper him with targets the way that Drew Brees did. That was when Alvin Kamara was Alvin Kamara in capital letters. So this is this is something I wrote in my in my column. But like, remember that game like a couple of years ago where he hit the you know that last game of the season he scored six rushing touchdowns on Christmas on Christmas Minnesota. on Christmas. Everyone remembers that game. Right, everyone was watching it. Okay, since that game. He scored six rushing touchdowns yeah. in the years <laughs> since that game. Like two in two seasons, he scored six rushing touchdowns. Um, he only scored in two games last season. You know, because they've got Taysom Hill there, they've got Jamal Williams, who proved last year he's very effective at the goal line. I know you like Kendra Miller yeah. coming out of college as well. That's a guy that can bang between the tackles sure. as well. Like they have a lot of options to score other than Alvin Kamara. If he's even out there, because he is—he's missing the first three games of uh, because of the suspension, and this is somebody that has also, you know, dealt with injuries the last couple of years. Just so. doesn't get the receiving work anymore. He was over eighty receptions <laughs> each of his first four seasons, and it's been one hundred and four total across the past two. Yeah, that's that's you know that's less than fifty-five a year. Did that math in my head? Incredible. Look at that. Absolutely. Look at me. Like I got a got a computer. More math coming up after this as we take our first break. When we're back, we are looking at the quarterbacks and the pass catchers on Love Hate. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Be sure to tune into our first fantasy football happy hour draft season marathon this weekend. Head to Peacock this Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern time as you uh, prepare to dominate your drafts. That's right. You can order a pizza and you can sit on the couch for as long as you like watching us and all our content. Absolutely. We'll keep that moving with quarterbacks here 
on you know, love hate. You know who else should watch the draft marathon? Blame Hemsworth. That, and the two of you. After I crushed you guys, go uh, go to NBC Sports. Joke. In all seriousness, go back to go to NBCSports.com, go to Rotorworld.com, and look at our our super flex uh, mock draft that we did, where I literally crushed you guys. I'm impressed, honestly, because I. Damien and I were talking before the show, and we said, do you think uh, Connor and Jay will show up? Will show up? Like, or do you think they just quit? Do you think they just retire? Mm. They pull a Corey Davis, and they're just like, I'm out. And, uh, release you know, a note on Instagram. Yeah. It's a really it's nice a really year. Heartfelt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. I love it. I'm, you know, I'm just going to... Spend time with the family. Right, exactly. Yes. I'm going to go back to SNY and just, yeah. <laughs> I had fun. Oh, no. Take that as it was. down the drain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Cut to Corey Davis on the desk next to you at SNY. <laughs> oh, man. God. Love, hate quarterback, right. starting with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Lamar uh, got the monster extension this year. Did miss plenty of time last year. But, Barry, we know what he's capable of in fantasy when he's healthy. And you have to love the addition of Todd Munkin calling the plays in Baltimore. Last year in his 11 full games, and what I think most people thought was like was a down year. He still averaged over 21 fantasy points per game. This is last year again, and now you're right. They, think about all the additions that they've made to Lamar Jackson. They have, they have added Todd Munkin, who is a much more fantasy-friendly uh, offensive coordinator. They have, they have drafted Zay Flowers. They have signed Odell Beckham Jr. They obviously have Mark Andrews. They have a second-year Isaiah Likely, and, of course, Hope Springs Eternal for me with Rashad Bateman. Like, they've got... They've all of a sudden they've got a lot of weapons for a guy that just made one of the highest paid people in professional sports. And so, look, again, uh, I'm a QB4, but number one quarterback in fantasy is well within the range of outcomes for Lamar Jackson. And I have him, in terms of my overall ranks, much closer to Mahomes, Hurts, Allen than where he's going in drafts. Jay, I want to jump right over here to Justin Herbert um, to go through the quarterbacks here. And, you know, this is someone that everybody thought would take the massive leap last year. It felt like he was held back at times by some of the, you know, very static play calling. Now they bring in Kellen Moore. They draft Quentin Johnston. They solved all the issues with Austin Eckler with the contract to get him back into the fold. Is this the year that Herbert, who's QB6 for Barry and on the love list, does make that big jump? And I think the expectations should just be what his 2021 season was, where he had over 5,000 yards, 38 passing touchdowns and then also gave you a little bit on the ground as well and then last year he had a broken rib his best lineman Rashawn Slater was out pretty much for the whole season and then Keenan Allen Mike Williams they're both banged up just on average he's just going to get more health at that position particularly from Herbert himself and I think that with the new offensive coordinator I mean he is set to he could absolutely be the top two quarterback in fantasy thousand percent I mean like we talk about this, like if you don't run, if you don't have Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen-like uh, rushing ability, you need to have 35 to 40 passing touchdown upside, and Justin Herbert has that. Under Kellen Moore, who's going to be more aggressive, Dak Prescott, who I don't think is as good a quarterback as Justin Herbert, I think it's, you know, I think there's actually a decent gap there. Uh, Dak Prescott was top five in touchdown rate each of the past two seasons under Kellen Moore, and so I agree with you, like him being the number one quarterback in fantasy wouldn't be shocking, but top two quarterback in fantasy is very much in play for Justin Herbert. Who's QB2 two, two years ago. Yeah. That's right. We've already seen it, but I that, guess continue. Fantasy managers just right. have such a short memory. Oh, that guy point. burned it's me last point, year. And it's just like with, a, with less experience and a lesser cast around him, the guy was still a top two fantasy quarterback, and now he's got a better play caller, more weapons around him, and more experience. Let's just say him failed without a fractured rib. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Let's go. Another young player that we saw take a massive jump from week six and on last year was Trevor Lawrence. During that stretch, he was QB6 in points per game, Barry. He makes the love list and comes in as QB8. And with Lawrence, maybe can unlock even more rushing this year as well. Yeah, I think so. Look, there are only three quarterbacks last year that had over 4,000 passing yards and five rushing touchdowns. Josh Allen, you've heard of him. Oh, yeah. Joe Burrow, you've heard of him. Yeah. Both of them, by the way, proud FantasyLife.com investors. <laughs> and the third person is not, but that's Trevor Lawrence. Anytime you can be on a list with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, that's pretty good if you're an NFL quarterback. And so, again, we just sort of trying to project the future. He's my QB8, but he's certainly also got top five fantasy upside. He was on my short list of becoming my ride or die this year. Second year in Peterson's system. He has all of his skilled players back, obviously, with Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. They add Calvin Ridley as well. Again, look at his head coach. 
former NFL quarterback, former Andy Reid disciple, guy who made Nick Foles a thing. And now he's got Trevor Lawrence. Like, again, last year was just about Doug Peterson being like, all right, I'm just trying to get, scare all the Urban Meyer out of you. I just got it. You, you, got, you were broken, and all I've got to do is now I've got to fix you. And so you saw towards the second half of the year where the light sort of went on. and it just, like, so, But now another year in this system with all the skilled players around him, like I'm a big believer in Doug Peterson as kind of a quarterback whisperer, as an offensive mind. Like We've seen him do it with much worse quarterbacks than Trevor Lawrence. You know, Duval. Duval, baby. Yep. My Swaguars. Your Swaguars. My Swaguars. Shouldn't have Let's, jumped off the bandwagon. Before you really shouldn't have. A little early came back and won the division. Yeah. That's all right. Get him next time. A next rookie time. quarterback on the list here, Jay Anthony Richardson, who we've talked about on this show plenty because Barry has been higher on him as QB 12. Love I think it. he's been kind of coming off the board, quarterback 15 to 16, yeah. the last we discussed him. And with Richardson, you have a little bit of the turmoil, of course, with the Jonathan Taylor situation, but we know what I mean, this guy could do with his legs, and we know his head coach in Shane Steichen worked wonders with Jalen Hurts over the last two years. Yeah, and there's one number that stands out to me with Anthony Richardson, which I don't think he's talked about enough. 393. That's the amount of passing attempts he had in college. CJ Stroud had 830. We just don't know what this guy is yet. And I think from a fantasy perspective, that's exciting because he has so much more upside because there is so much more unknown where he's going to take. I, th- I think at least he has more potential to take bigger strides than guys like Stroud and Young who are more known. I, I, I'm just going to list some names of people that are going ahead of him on Yahoo just to give you an idea of how insane this is. Um, Mac Jones wow. is being drafted ahead of Anthony Richardson. Mac. Jimmy Garoppolo is being drafted ahead of Anthony Richardson, Aaron Rodgers. Like, I get it, Aaron Rodgers is a big right. name, but, I, like, I like my chances with Anthony Richardson uh, and, and that one. Like, Cousins and Geno Smith, okay, I get those, but, like, come on, man. Like, Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, look, there's a wider range of outcomes for Anthony Richardson than there are for a lot of the other guys on this list. There's no question about it. But for me, my argument here with Anthony Richardson is, is that, if it hits, it's going to hit in a really nice big way. And if it doesn't hit, because my rankings are designed for kind of default leagues, which are one quarterback leagues, 10, 12 team quarterback, one quarterback leagues, the replacement cost isn't that much. Go get Jared Goff. Yes. Jared Goff, like Kirk Cousins, uh, honestly, Kenny Pickett, who I think is going to be good. You know, future MVP Sam Howell. Like there's lots of guys Save out there. Sam Howell. Yeah. Okay. I think, who'd you say? CFL MVP, CFL? Stop. Sorry, it's, uh, oh, he hasn't been, no, no, that was, that was Steffi, you, you take that back. That was rude. I take it That's back. That's me. Thank oh, you. Back. One thing on Richardson, I yeah. think, Kangaroo is that, jump that back. <laughs> his ahead. rushing, much like rookie year Josh Allen and rookie year Lamar Jackson, sets a fantasy floor for him. That's the, that is being overlooked. That's well, my biggest you know, problem with his ADP, in my opinion. But right. there's a good floor there for him because of his rushing. Right, especially, by the way, when you think about the coach, and there's a chance, as we talked about at the top of the show, like, Jonathan Taylor might not be there. And if Jonathan Taylor isn't there, he becomes the betting favorite to lead that team in rushing touchdowns. Yep. So I'm just saying, like, I don't know what his odds are right now, but like. He would be the favorite. Yeah, he would be the favorite. All, All right, kicking off the quarterback hate the rap list, here. Uh, Dak Prescott, who we know, you know, we highlighted earlier with Justin Herbert how much Kellen Moore meant to Dak Prescott being effective in fantasy. Jay, Dak Prescott kicks off the hate list here for Barry coming in. All the way Are we down not doing others receiving votes? No, we, we, uh, we have been. <laughs> talked too long? We have been, yeah, we talked Steven too long. Steven blew that off. <laughs> Steven. Falling all the way in at QB 16 right. for Dak. Well, I don't understand why you hate Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott 2021 when he was last healthy, mm. 4,449 4, passing yards, 37 touchdowns. I think Zeke Gorn actually helps Dak a little bit more because Paul will be more utilized in the passing game. Uh, and I don't know. I know I understand changing offensive coordinator, but they ran the ball a fair bit last year anyway. So why don't you like Dak? Under 15 fantasy points in 6 to 12 games last season. He had only four games with 20-plus fantasy points. He doesn't run anymore. Earlier in his career, he was a guy that would get you five, six yeah. rushing touchdowns a year. And he doesn't run anymore. Like, so he's not a guy that's going to get you kind of cheap rushing touchdowns. Anything can happen. It's fluky. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, I don't have a ton of confidence in... Uh, them becoming a high-octane offense. I think they're going to really? run... Well, right, because it's a few things, right? First off, they have, a, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Sure. They don't need to get into shootouts because like, they're going to stop other teams. They want to run the ball. Mike McCarthy has come out and said that. By the way, not a Mike McCarthy fan. <laughs> by the way, I mean, you know this, <laughs> right? I mean, you know... So, like, I just... I don't think you're going to have a high pace of play. He doesn't run anymore. He's a, to me, he's a much bigger name than fantasy producer. So, like, you're counting on... Look, I think my boy Eights, 
I think he has a big game. You know, C.D. Lamb and I, of course, really tight. Never Call going eight. Um, the addition of Brandon Cooks helps, right? And you've got Gallup another year removed from the injury. But I just I think they're going to be run heavy, and I think they're going to be one of the lower teams in terms of pace of play. So he doesn't run, and he's going to have fewer possessions. Just think he rolls out of bed to 4,200 passing yards and 32, 33 touchdowns, and it's just rock solid. All right, well, Dak Prescott and Michael Thomas and my guys, I, and you're against them. So what are your what are your numbers? Forty two. No, and let's have a, like an eight. I'll take the under on both those numbers you just threw out there. Okay, both of them. It's parlay. <laughs> Is yeah, it's parlay. parlay. They both have to. You know what? I'll still do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so what? Uh, uh, Forty two hundred and thirty five touchdowns. No, I right? said thirty two. <laughs> I think he said thirty two thirty five. Is what he <laughs> nice said. Switch up at the end. Yeah. Thirty three and a half. Thirty three and a half. Okay, That's fine. The there middle. you go. Mark it down. Somebody mark it down. I'm gonna eat for like a week and a half. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to make him take me to an Outback Steakhouse. Ah, there we go. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, and really prop steak. him up to the waiter. Yeah, no, listen. Yeah. I, I don't want him to ruin my Applebee's experience because I love Applebee's. Right. So I'm, I'm not going – I'm going to make him make him go somewhere that's, you know, Aust- Australia. <laughs> Australian. And just watch him be hard. We're going to break. When we're back, you and I will pass catchers. Connor, you and I will celebrate at Applebee's. Absolutely. We will eat good in the neighborhood. Here's your chance to win a VIP trip for two to watch a live taping of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Go behind the scenes, meet the crew, and get a front row seat to all the fantasy insights and debates to help you win your league. Heads live up, Michelle Pfeiffer. From the NBC Sports Studio. Michelle Pfeiffer, if you're out there, here's your shot. Enter now at NBCSports.com slash Barry Sweeps. You'll get to be a guest bartender. Jay Croucher will take you out. We'll take it out. We'll take it out. We'll take it to Applebee's, and you're gonna get to home. You're gonna get to go home to Jay Croucher and babysit his uh, his three kids under the age of five. Wow, big it win! It is really yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, there it is. Love, no, no, hate, no, no. pass Unless catchers. Michelle Pfeiffer, in uh-huh. which case I will handle your. You don't have to babysit. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to babysit. All right, no surprise who kicks off the love list for the pass catchers. It is your ride or die, Barry Amon Ross St. Brown. Shocker. No, yeah, a bit of a stunner. I disagree. I think you're both being sarcastic. <laughs> I was able to see through that. Look, I, the stat is the stat, which is right since week 13 of the 2021 season, his breakout year, he is the third best wide receiver in fantasy football. He is second only to Justin Jefferson in terms of receptions uh, in that time frame as well. When he was healthy last year, he had a 29% target share. He is somebody that, again, we just talked it up with, with Gibbs and Montgomery as well. To your point, they play only one bad weather game over their final 10. Seven of their final eight are in a dome. Jared Goff plays very well in a dome. Even when Jamison Williams comes back, the fact is is I don't don't see him demanding a massive target share. I think it's going to be more deep shots with Jamison Williams. I'm not really worried about Josh Reynolds or Marvin Jones. And so, like, he's somebody that he has the opportunity. And I'm not saying he's going to do this because I'm still quite – I don't know about the touchdown equity. But – he could be Cooper Cup from two years ago. Wow. Like, he could be. Whoa. I'm just saying, like, because, again, as a slot receiver, he's going to be mismatched a lot. He's going he's gonna to get separation on the line of scrimmage. Like, he's going to get – he's going to just get a ton, ton of targets. And because it's a good offense – uh, where there's not much else, they're going to scheme him open. He's going to, there's going to design a lot of different packages from Mon Ross St. Brown. And so if he, if he gets lucky with the touchdowns and instead of like four or five, he gets to eight or nine or ten, like, I mean, all of a sudden, I'm not predicting number one running back, number one wide receiver in fantasy because there's so, so many good players, you know, the Chases and the Jeffersons of the world, but like, he's going to be in that elite tier and he's not discussed. As a, as a member of that uh, elite tier. Okay. 40 to 1 Offensive Player of the Year. I feel like you should just place that bet in uh, consolidarity. I, I absolutely should. I absolutely will. I'm going to wait till NBC announces its sports betting partner, and I'm not actually <laughs> going to do that because I'm a company man. Jay, also on the love list, Garrett Wilson, kind of a similar situation in terms of targets being funneled to him as a Monroe St. Brown. Yes, Alan Lazard's there. Corey Davis just retired, but there's just not a lot at wide receiver, and he's somebody that commanded 147 on his way to winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and I think just the fact that he did that with a revolving door of four different quarterbacks, he was able to have success with all of them at different points. Uh, so I think that Garrett Wilson, obviously the talent is there, and just with Rodgers, just the increase in talent that's the biggest quarterback situation increase in the league this season so Garrett Wilson I mean there's no reason why he's just not a a bolted on top 10 wide receiver this year totally agree another guy that got I I mean that's that's why I have him there right exactly we've seen what quarterback upgrades do for you know a lot of wide receivers and except Allen Allen Robinson more more stability at quarterback for Chris Alave Derek Carr now in New Orleans Alave absolutely in the mix to win offensive rookie of the year last year and he was somebody that dealt with 
a lot of uh, change, it felt like, throughout the year in the New Orleans offense. He, he certainly did, but again, from week two on, a 28% target share, double-digit fantasy points in 11 out of 15 games last year. He had the fourth-highest average depth of target among qualified wide receivers last year, and the reason that's important, because Derek Carr, one of the things he does really well is throw the deep ball. He ranks top five in both deep ball rate and deep completions over the past two seasons. I know hope springs eternal for you and Michael Thomas there, Jay Croucher. I am not as much of a believer in terms of his ability to stay on the field and stay healthy. And where he's going, like, he, he's, he's going after Devontae Smith. He's, he's going after um, Jalen Waddell, you know, on, on Yahoo. He's, he's basically going right next to T. Higgins. I have, mid, I have uh, I'm a tight end, I'm sorry, wide receiver 12. I think Olave, again, was one of the guys that was on my short list to be my fantasy ride or die. Monster season coming for Chris Olave. Yep, I would actually take him over Garrett Wilson. I just think that his efficiency of route uh, yards per route run last year was off the charts. One of the more overlooked players, I feel like, that he makes the love list. Brandon Ayuk, obviously a good year for Brandon Ayuk. He's always had top-end talent, Jay. And San Francisco, their quarterback situation is now going to be Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. Trey Lance, it sounds like, out of the picture. Yeah, he had 1,000 receiving yards and eight touchdowns last year, Brandon Ayuk, which just goes completely yeah. under the radar. Also, hasn't missed the game the past two years. That's a key. Yeah, and he's, he's going very late. I, I, I think there's a chance that he's the number one wide receiver in San Francisco, and they use Debo more as a you know, decoy, you know, not, not a decoy, but you know what I mean? Like more gadget, ma- gadget kind of stuff. Certainly at cost. I like Ayuk over Samuel and I love Debo Samuel. A couple others receiving votes. Of course, we did jump through Darren Waller. We know how much you like him, Barry. He's tight end four for you, but a couple yep. others that received votes, Hollywood Brown, Jordan Addison, Gabe Davis, George Pickens trying to carve out his way to being the top receiver in Pittsburgh. Sky Moore trying to rebound from a slow rookie year. Luke Musgrave, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, and Hunter Henry round out the tight end loves there, Barry. Yeah, you can read the article online for a lot more of my, uh, you know, but like in Marquise Brown, it's a volume play. Addison, Gabe Davis, George Pickens, Sky Moore, all of them talented young players on good offenses with good quarterbacks that are going to throw. Everett, I think, is always underrated. I've talked up Musgrave a decent amount. Tyler Higby is going to be second on his team in targets on a team that is likely going to have to throw in. Yeah, Musgrave, again, elite size-speed combination. He's played 100% of the snaps for the first team so far in the preseason. Hunter Henry tied for the team lead in red zone targets. There's a connection there between him and Mac Jones. Bill O'Brien likes to use two tight end sets quite a bit. He's distanced himself from Mike Kosicki. Jay, who jumps out for you are the others? Gabe Davis is the one where he was going significantly higher in drafts last year, and he's drifted now because he was injured last year. He wasn't right all season, so uh, I think he's someone who should be taken at his current ADP. Three that made the hate list here, Barry. I want you to pick one that's most noteworthy. Mike Evans, Michael Pittman Jr., and George Kittle. Yeah, I'm going to take George Kittle. I think he's the biggest name, and he's going like as a top four uh, fantasy tight end on some spots. I have him at tight end five, but I'm much lower in the consensus ranks than where he's going. Look, there were seven games last year in which Chris McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk were all active. 15% target share, under 30 receiving yards in five of those seven games. Seven different games with fewer than uh, eight fantasy points last season. I think we all remember because there were a couple of games in prime time where he caught like two touchdown passes and, you know, he's great after the catch, but the concern with him is, number one, is a lot of mouths to feed there and also, by the way, he's a great blocker. He is one of the great blocking tight ends in the NFL, which is great for the Niners and great for their run game and all the different things they do on offense. Bad for us in fantasy because if you're in line blocking, you're not catching passes. So that's a concern for me on George Kittle. Injuries have also been a part of his career as well, where he's struggled to stay healthy at times. He's never wanted to depend on guys who are so dependent on touchdowns as well, which he will be this year. Yes, I agree. That music means it's closing time. That, it is closing time. You don't time. have to go home, but no. you can't stay here. But you can go home. If oh, you but want. you can go home. Yeah, it's up to Absolutely, you. if you want. You can go home wherever it is, even if it's in Australia. <laughs> We're back tomorrow. <laughs> same time, same place. Hopefully. For Connor and Jay, I'm Matthew Pizal.